For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello everyone, this is Scott Reichel, and this is the Betting Bay Area Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the Bay Area's number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in the Bay Area and more. We believe in our teams, do you believe? A quick reminder, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're also available on your favorite directories, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. And if you want to reach out to me personally, you can find me at Reichel Radio on Twitter. Now, on this week's show, we're going to be looking at the Oakland Raiders and the San Francisco 49ers as they each head into their Week 7 matchups in the NFL. And we'll provide you with all the important information and statistics to help Everyone makes some money in the betting market. So without further ado, we're going to dive right in as we are going to be talking about the Oakland Raiders as they head up to Lambeau Field to take on the Green Bay Packers. In terms of the spread in this game, Green Bay was originally a 7.5 point favorite. That has currently been bet down to 5.5 and, and the over-under is at 47 points. The Raiders are coming in off a bye week after beating the Bears in England two weeks ago. Uh, by the score of 24-21. to 21. In that game, Josh Jacobs had 26 carries for 123 yards and two touchdowns as he continues to showcase his skills as a potential offensive rookie of the year. Meanwhile, in at the quarterback position, Derek Carr was very efficient as he ended up completing 25 of his 32 pass attempts for 229 passing yards with zero touchdowns and zero interceptions. Tyrell Williams' star receiver did not play in the last game due to a foot injury, and his status in this game is still up in the air. Darren Waller, though, once again had four receptions for 39 yards. Relatively quiet, but considering the fact that Oakland relied heavily on the ground game and simply used some play-action passes, uh, they didn't really test. They didn't really throw down field that much without Tyra Williams in the lineup. But Waller was still efficient, and he will look to continue playing well as he takes on the Packers' defense on Sunday afternoon. Avantes Burfecht was suspended for the remainder of the regular season. However, he was appealing it, and his appeal was denied, so linebacker Vontaze Perfect will officially be out for the rest of the regular season. In other injury news, Tyrell Williams is still not practicing due to a foot injury, and he is listed as doubtful, so if he is unable to go, that could be an issue. However, other wide receiver Dwayne Harris has started to practice a little bit, so potentially he might be able to return after missing the game against Chicago in London. However, there was some off-the-field controversy going on with the Raiders during the bye week relatively recently. As offensive tackle Trent Brown, in addition to not practicing due to a calf injury, he has actually also been accused of domestic violence by an ex-girlfriend earlier this week, and his status is currently unknown. The Raiders have not officially announced whether or not he will be suspended or if he will not play due to injury, but either or, his is definitely looking a little bit grim in terms of his future with the team in the next couple of weeks. I would expect him not to play uh, just as a result of some suspension, but I figure the Raiders will try to do an internal investigation before evaluating all the facts and all of the, you know, the lawsuit itself. 
But as of right now, I would just I would assume that offensive tackle Trent Brown will not be playing. However, on the bright side for the offensive line, right guard Gabe Jackson has practiced all week, and he is expected to play after injuring his knee before the season started. Definitely had a lot of expectations uh, with this offensive line in this unit, and Gabe Jackson was at the forefront of those plans, but he ended up getting injured in a joint practice with the Rams during preseason, and he has not played since. So since he is starting to practice, he is expected to go. So if they end up losing Trent Brown, he they will hypothetically be able to insert Gabe Jackson to limit the damage of losing one of their best offensive linemen. In other news, defensive end and first-round pick Khalil Ferrell did practice this week, and he is expected to return after not playing against the Bears. So look for him to potentially make an impact as the, as the Raiders will need to do whatever they can to pressure Aaron Rodgers to prevent him from getting a clean pocket, uh, particularly with just the way that he was able to torch the Lions' defense in the second half. Now, switching gears to talk about the Packers, uh, they ended up beating the Lions at home last week on Monday Night Football by a score of 23-22. to Jamal Williams had 14 carries for 104 rushing yards. He also had 32 receiving yards and one touchdown. He could have had two touchdowns, but he smartly decided to take a knee at the two-yard line to help the Packers drain the clock and kick a game-winning field goal as time expired. In terms of the passing game, Aaron Rodgers ended up completing 24 of his 39 pass attempts for 283 passing yards with two passing touchdowns and one interception. However, the one interception was not Rodgers' fault, as in the red zone, it ended up hitting the face mask of his receiver before bouncing up in the air and being intercepted by a Lions defensive back. So I'll give him a little bit of a pass on that interception, but it still counts. So he had two touchdowns and one pick. Uh, receiver Alan Lazard had a pretty solid game as he ended up having four receptions for 65 yards and even had a receiving touchdown late in the fourth quarter. The Packers' defense had three sacks, and they ended up forcing no turnovers, but they did play well as a whole. It is worth mentioning, though, that Lazard could have a huge impact on this upcoming game based on the fact that pretty much none of the Packers' receivers are healthy entering this entire week. Devontae Adams, their star receiver, missed practice once again, and he is questionable for this game, as he is still dealing with a toe injury. It's looking more and more unlikely that he will be able to suit up th for this week, and potentially even next week, as this injury has appeared to linger, and it might affect him for the next couple of weeks. Uh, joining him on the injury report is wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling, as he is dealing with a knee and an ankle injury, as well as Geronimo Allison, who uh, is also not practicing uh, Valdez Scantling is not practicing due to a knee and an ankle injury where Geronimo Allison ended up getting concussed in the middle of the game on Monday night and he has not practiced. Both of them are questionable, but I think it's safe to assume that Allison will not play. Scantling is still up in the air. As a result, if all three of those receivers are not able to go, Green Bay only has four healthy wide receivers on the depth chart and that could mean a lot of targets for Alan Lazard. So if you're looking for somebody in a plug-and-play fantasy type of situation, you should look towards Alan Lazard, who could potentially get some targets, as Rodgers appears to trust him after he hauled in a couple of catches in the fourth quarter, including that touchdown grab. So look for Rodgers to look his way uh, for a decent portion of the game, assuming all those receivers are out. It's also worth mentioning that Green Bay could be without tight end Jimmy Graham, who has also not practiced this week, and even though Graham does not typically practice for a full week anymore due to the fact that he's getting up there in uh, years as well as just previous injury concerns, he's still not practiced and his status for this game is also questionable. Also worth mentioning that safety Darnell Savage did not practice this week either. If you're not playing against the Lions, he's currently 
doubtful for this game as he should be out a couple more weeks with a sprain. So look, based on that, the Packers have a ton of injuries they're going to have to deal with, and the Raiders are starting to get healthy at the right time with the exception of uh, Tyrell Williams as well as Trent Brown, but they're getting Gabe Jackson and Khalil Farrell back. So overall, they're definitely getting healthier, and that bye week appears to have helped you know, some injury concerns, where the Packers, after playing on a short week, and having a ton of injuries, I question just how effective this offense will be with so many weapons potentially being out. Now, in, in terms of some trends, the Raiders are 5-2 and two against the spread in their last seven games following a bye week. And the Packers are 0-4 against the spread in their last four home games versus a team with a winning road record. So in terms of my prediction, I will be taking the Packers to win by a score of 24-20. to 20 which means that I like the Raiders plus 5.5, and, and I also like the under 47. Simply put, even though the Packers have only lost one game all season, I'm really just not impressed when I watch them play. Yes, they did beat the Lions on Monday night, but I think we can all agree that the refs played a huge factor in that outcome, and the Lions probably should have won that game if it wasn't for a couple of phantom hands-to-the-face penalties, as well as a no-call and a passing interference, as well as... Well, this wasn't even a big deal, but the Packers had 13 men on the field for one play in the first half, and that simply wasn't called. The referees were terrible, and I think that we can all agree the Lions probably should have won that game and got hosed. So based on that, yes, the Packers are 5-1. and one. Have they impressed me? No, not really. The Raiders have definitely impressed me so far this season. They're off a bye week, extra week of prep. Green Bay's off a short week. And I think even though Green Bay sh uh, should end up winning this game at home, I think the Raiders will keep this game very close, and I think that the five and a half is too many points. I understand why money has come in on the Raiders as a result from seven and a half to five and a half. I still think that's too many points. This game should be a one possession game for pretty much the entirety. And I expect this game to be uh, settled within four or three points. So for that reason, I like the Raiders plus five and a half. And in terms of the under 47, simply put, I question the Raiders and their ability to move the ball in big chunk plays in the passing game with Tyrell Williams expected to miss another game as he's pretty much their only weapon on the outside. Yes, Waller catches a ton of passes, and I get that, but the Raiders like to slowly and methodically move the ball down the field with the rushing attack as well as some short passing uh, gains. So based on that, I think they'll try to control the time of possession, try to keep Rodgers off the field, and the, with the Packers missing so many weapons on offense in terms of the receiving core, I think this game will be a little bit more low scoring than anticipated, and for that reason, I like the under 47, as I think you should see this game total 44 points. Uh, however, if you want more information on the Raiders exclusively, Believe has you covered. Check out the Believe in Raiders podcast hosted by Brad Williamson, where he will lay out the keys to victory for the Raiders this week against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, if you're also interested in advertising for the show, please contact, please contact Believe at Believe.com, and we can potentially put your spot in this section right here. So reach out to us at Believe.com if you are interested in advertising for this show. Now to switch gears to the other matchup we're going to talk about, which is between the San Francisco 49ers as they travel to Washington to take on the Washington Redskins and, or Washington, D.C., I should say. You know what I meant. Either or, uh, the San Francisco 49ers open up at minus 10. They are currently down to minus 9.5, and the over-under has taken a dive to 41.5. The 49ers ended up winning last week against the Rams by a score of 22-7. Jimmy Garoppolo completed 24 of 33 pass attempts for 243 passing yards with zero touchdowns and one interception. However, he did have one rushing touchdown. The interception that is worth mentioning was... Oh, it was pretty brutal. It was in the red zone. It was a fade attempt, I believe, to George Kittle. I don't really know who it was to. Either or, it was definitely an issue, and the 49ers have had some issues turning the ball over in the red zone over the course of the season, so they will look to 
fix their red zone ex execution in this game. In terms of the rushing attack, Matt Breida had 13 carries for 36 yards, pretty uneventful. Tevin Coleman had 18 carries for 45 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown. However, he could have had a second touchdown, but he dropped a wide-open touchdown pass in the first half, and he will potentially look to make a bigger impact in the receiving in the passing game moving forward. The team as a whole, after a bunch of just, I can't even describe it. After dominating the line of scrimmage and the rushing attack, doing whatever it wanted for a couple of weeks, it actually struggled dramatically against the Rams as the 49ers as a team had 41 carries for 99 yards, which is equivalent to 2.4 yards per carry, but they did have two rushing touchdowns, one from Coleman and one from Garoppolo. So with a much weaker defense up next in the Washington Redskins, look for the 49ers to get back on track with their potent rushing attack. George Kittle, though, was great in the passing game as he had eight receptions for 103 receiving yards. I feel like I mention this every week, but no other receiver had more than three receptions. The 49ers love to ground and pound with their uh, two-headed rushing attack, and they like to rely on the passing game pretty much as a secondary option. It appears that Kittle is pretty much the only real threat, particularly with some of the injuries uh, that the receiving core is currently dealing with. So look for Kittle to play well once again. He had some injury concerns in the beginning of the week, but I will get into that later as he will definitely play in this game. Look for him to have a big impact against Washington's questionable linebacking core and secondary. The 49ers also had two turnovers, so that's something they might have to work on moving forward. But overall, it was a pretty easy win against the Rams. It was never really in doubt. The, Ram the Rams couldn't really generate anything offensively, and the 49ers did whatever they wanted as they were able to dominate the line of scrimmage on both ends. It is worth mentioning that in that game, San Francisco's defense was fantastic, as it had four sacks, and it held the Rams to just 157 total yards of offense. Pure domination. Bosa and the entire defensive line got after Goff repeatedly. Goff had no time to throw. They stopped on a couple of fourth downs, and the 49ers just dominated the game from start to finish in terms of their defense. Look for them to continue trying to dominate a much weaker offense in this game against the Washington Redskins. Now, in terms of the injury report, uh, Joe Staley, offensive tackle, will still be out with a fractured fibula. Starting right tackle Mike McGlinchey will also still be out after getting surgery on his knee. Fullback Kyle Juszczyk will still be out with a knee injury. George Kittle did miss a couple of days earlier in the week in practice due to a groin injury, but he did return to practice on Thursday, so look for him to play in this one. However, wide receiver Debo Samuel, who has looked sharp in action so far this season. He has not he has not practiced this week as he is currently dealing with a groin injury as well. So his status is currently up in the air. But overall, 49ers, I'd say not really much has changed since last week. They were missing some key pieces with Staley, McGlinchey, and Juice Check last week, and they still were able to win handily. So overall nothing much has really changed. But if anything comes up, I will let you know. Other than that, though, switching gears to the Washington Redskins, they ended up winning their first game of the regular season last week against the Dolphins on the road by a score of 17-16. to Very unimpressive win as the Redskins offense only had 13 first downs as a whole against the Dolphins, which have one of the worst defense in the entire league. Case Keenum ended up completing 13 of 23 passes for 166 yards with two passing touchdowns and zero interceptions, and he had a QBR of 42.9. Wide receiver Terry uh, McLaurin was very solid, as he ended up having four catches for 100 yards and two touchdowns. He has emerged as pretty much the only weapon in the entire passing game, and the 49ers will most likely have Richard Sherman covering him for the majority of the game, but look for some help over the top, potentially, and some shadow coverages as the Redskins 
pretty much have no other weapons in the passing game, so look for him to get some extra attention moving forward. Uh, in terms of the uh, rushing attack, Adrian Peterson was able to turn back the clock because he ended up having 118 rushing yards on 23 carries, and he will look to continue to get a decent amount of reps considering the fact that Chris Thompson is still injured, so he is most likely not going to be playing in this game. Look for Peterson to get at least 15 touches. A lot of it depends on game flow. But the Redskins will definitely look to get Peterson heavily involved once again in the offensive attack. It's also worth mentioning that cornerback Josh Norman has not practiced this week due to a hand and thigh injury. So his status is currently up in the air. He probably will play, but that remains to be seen. Now in terms of some trends, the 49ers are 4-1 against the spread in their last five road games versus a team with a losing home record. And the 49ers are also 4-1 against the spread in their last five games overall. Meanwhile, the Redskins are 0-5 against the spread in their last five home games, and the Redskins are 0-5 against the spread in their last five games overall. I think all of you know where I was going to go with this game before I started breaking it down, but in terms of the actual prediction, I think the 49ers will win by a score of 27-13. So for that reason, I like the 49ers minus 9.5, and I like the under 41.5 points. Main reason why Redskins, I know they won Am I really impressed they won by one point against a team that's pretty much tanking? No, I think the opposite. It kind of just showed me the Redskins are really just not a good football team at all. 49ers are rolling. They're still one of the only undefeated teams left in the NFL. I know it's a road game, but nobody really goes to the Redskins games anymore, as you might have seen on some of their last couple of games, as well as SVP's big thing on ESPN a couple weeks ago, talking about how nobody goes to the games anymore. I expect a decent amount of Crimson, as 49ers fans tend to travel well. In terms of the game itself, the Redskins, I don't think they'll give Case Keenum any time to throw in the pocket with the 49ers' really talented defensive line. I think they'll get after Keenum. I think the secondary is still great. I think they'll dominate the time possession, and I think they will dominate just in terms of the rushing attack. I think the Redskins' defensive line is pretty solid. But as a whole, I think the 49ers, with Kyle Shanahan scheming plays, I think they will rectify some of the issues they had in the, in the ground game last week. I think Coleman should go for over 100. Breida can go for over 60 or so. I think Kittle will go for 60-plus and maybe a touchdown. But as a whole, I think all the 49ers have to do is limit turnovers, let their defense dominate the field position, and I think you should see the 49ers cruise to a victory. In terms of the Redskins getting 13 points, could be a little bit much. I thought about them maybe scoring 10 but at the same point, I'll give them some garbage time touchdowns, maybe one or two. So for that reason, I'll lean to the 49ers minus 9.5, and, and I will take the under 41.5. I think the 49ers will coast. I think that the 49ers are content with running the ball, draining the clock, and trying to move the chains, which is what they're really good at. And the Redskins, I think, will have no answers. And I think the Redskins offensively should do virtually nothing. This game could go over if you see some pick sixes or some turnovers in their own, uh, in their own side of the field, which is an issue. But... Overall, I can't really predict that, so I will go with the 49ers minus 9.5 and the under 41.5. And just a quick recap once again of the Raiders game, I like the Raiders plus 5.5 and the under 47. Now, uh, if you want more information about the 49ers exclu exclusively, Believe has you covered as well. Check out the Believe in 49ers podcast hosted by Rashawn Evan, uh, sorry, Rashawn Haylock, alongside 13-year NFL veteran Eric Davis. Once again, quick reminder, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on Twitter. And if you want to reach out to me personally, you can find me at Reichel Radio on Twitter. Other than that, though, that's going to do it for this installment of Betting Bay Area, and good luck to all of you and your respective bets today. Bye, everyone.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.